0: All right, hello. This is not an official Idiots on Parade episode. This is one of those bonuses we sometimes throw out. Uh, Sometimes we have stand-up comedy from Jake or I. This is more just, just a bump, just a little rant. Back in November, I wrote... An open letter to the Democratic National Committee. I posted it on my blog, nathantimmel.com. It got a little attention. People liked it, passed it around. So for those of you who don't like to read, this will be the retelling, the spoken word version of my open letter to the Democratic National Committee. And uh, it goes like this. Here we go. I was not surprised when Donald Trump won the presidency. I was disappointed, yes, But I was not surprised. In the aftermath of this so-called upset, every single pundit and newsperson discussed bubbles, who lives in them and how that caused the experts to call it wrong. I do not live in a bubble. I travel the country slinging jokes. As a stand-up comedian, I see America. Not just the big progressive cities, but America. Fly over America the place most pundits don't know about, talk about, or even considered important before November 8th, 2016. I perform in comedy clubs, bars, VFW halls, and anywhere and everywhere there's a stage and a microphone. I make people laugh, and then I talk to them after shows. And they talk to me, and they tell me their nigger and faggot jokes like it's somehow acceptable. Sometimes I respond angrily, sometimes I just stare at them and remain silent. But then it's another night, another town, and another disgusting joke casually tossed my way, usually followed by the comment, Oh, you can use that in your act! Because I'm a white male, it is automatically assumed that I want to hear such things. Now, it's not every show, and it's not every person but it is Chinese water torture often enough for me to understand how pervasive racism is today. Several months before the election, I actually thought a Trump candidacy was good for the country. Not a Trump presidency, mind you, but a Trump candidacy. I thought pulling every bigot out of the woodwork and into the sunlight provided an opportunity for America to take a good, long look in the mirror and own up to the problems we have. Unfortunately, America doubled down on my stupid belief, and now we are seeing emboldened racism, sexism, and homophobia. Even better, we are seeing people deny it's happening while it actually happens. Yay! Statistics show white people in particular supported Trump. These are probably the same white people who tell me their jokes after my set. While that segment of the Caucasian population might be a lost cause, there is a segment of white people who didn't even bother to vote. If Democrats want to get their vote in 2020, they have to look inward. And I'm here to tell the Democratic National Committee that political correctness is hurting them. Bill Maher made a similar comment regarding the problem on his post-election show and South Park made reference to it two weeks after the election. Yes, blame FBI Director Comey and his letter. Blame Hillary for not campaigning in Wisconsin or Michigan. Blame both voter apathy and third-party candidates. You know, those candidates who gave people who wanted to smell their own farts something to sniff. But don't let PC culture off the hook. Social justice warriors need to differentiate between racism and comedy. They need to stop lumping actual bigots in with the average American, and they need to stop decrying anything they might not like simply for the sake of sensitivity. The DNC, in turn, needs to stop pandering to social justice warriors for the sake of courting votes. In 2015, the idea millennials, and colleges in particular, were killing comedy, was a hot topic. Chris Rock weighed in with the quote, You can't even say the black kid over there. No, it's the kid in the red shoes because you're charged with being offensive before you're even offensive. This led to Jerry Seinfeld pointing out, they just want to use these words. That's racist. That's sexist. That's prejudice. They don't even know what they're talking about. The hashtag Cancel Colbert trended because of a tweet taken out of context. Even though the tweet was a small part of a larger whole, one where the overall joke was an attack on intolerance, it was easier to just knee-jerk react to one little tweet and fly the I'm offended flag. I'm bringing all this up because I've had my own run-ins with the politically correct crowd. I performed at a college, and I did several pro-marriage equality jokes, jokes specifically mocking bigotry. I even said marriage equality, where I usually say gay marriage, because I was making sure my already politically correct joke was even more politically correct, given my audience. That night, I was yanked off stage and told, as a straight white male, you have no place talking about the LGBTQ community. Imagine a homosexual sitting in the audience and hearing you joke about their plight. How do you think that makes them feel? Okay, first of all, they weren't the butt of my joke. Second, I cannot answer for every single LGBTQ person, but the feedback I've received so far in my career is that most of them get it and most of them love it. Their response usually is, here's a straight white male joining our cause and acting as an ally. That's awesome! But not on that college campus. There, I was told I couldn't even broach the subject. In contrast of that night, after a show in rural Michigan, a man approached me. He bought a t-shirt, then announced, you know, I liked most of your act. I was curious, so I responded, what didn't you like? His answer? your fag material. It sounded like you liked them a little too much. I actually laughed, because it meant that in his own way, he got it. I was mocking homophobia. I was mocking homophobes. That challenged his beliefs, and he didn't like that. So here you had the exact same material and two different responses. The bigot understood he was the target of my joke, yet he was forgiving. The social justice warrior didn't even want the issue discussed. To me, this means trigger warnings have made people less willing to examine content. Instead, they choose to stop listening once they hear the so-called offending word or subject, and then quickly shut down anyone using or discussing it. And that, by the way, is why I specifically did not put a trigger warning at the front of this rant. When I described the kind of bile I hear after my shows, I wanted the N-word and that homophobic slur to hit you, the listener, the same way it hits me when I'm talking to someone, out of the blue and unwanted. And by the way, quick notice the difference between the homophobe in Michigan and the social justice warrior at the college. The bigot still liked me enough to buy a t-shirt from me. He listened to my whole act realized some of it was at his expense, got over it, and complimented me on the rest. The social justice warrior yanked me off stage after hearing something they thought might be offensive to someone. What does that tell you about the two different groups, and what does all of this have to do with losing elections? Well, it has to do with labeling and criticizing. The party of inclusion forgot to be inclusive. When you push someone too far, they snap. When you take normal, middle-of-the-road Americans and shout at them for years on end for not keeping up with social progress quickly enough, for not being as super hypersensitive to everything you are, it's a turnoff. Yes, the Trump campaign was racist. And yes, a chunk of his supporters are the worst humanity has to offer. Others, well, unfortunately... They were sublimely and willfully blind to their participation in racism. After being shouted at for so long, after being told they were wrong for everything they did, either understanding, empathy, or both was beaten out of them. In short, they tuned out. It's like the boy who cried wolf, with racist replacing wolf. After a while, it just becomes white noise. Buh! what are those social justice warriors yelling about now? Oh, I'm I'm racist. Ah, oh, yeah, that, they've been telling me that for years. I hear people say this, and they could be just as turned off in 2018 and 2020 as they were in 2016. When my liberal white friends, when my friends who supported Bernie Sanders in the primary and Hillary Clinton in the general, when they start to roll their eyes and think, "Okay, enough." then you have problems. Now maybe I know people who are better than most, people who weren't willing to throw their vote to Trump or sit this one out or do the stupid thing and vote third party. But being pressured either flipped middle of the road Americans or made them just quit. Now yes, you have to fight racism and sexism, fight rape culture and don't support xenophobia disguised as humor, but don't fight your allies Not everything is a microaggression, and just because you don't like or get a joke doesn't mean it's punching down or in poor taste. You will never get, and you shouldn't chase, the actual deplorables who supported Trump. Anyone who chanted, build a wall or lock her up, is intellectually lacking and beyond reason. You might not even want to actively court some of the people who were willing to look past the worst Trump had to offer and voted for him anyway. Their desire for change obviously outweighed basic decency. But 46% of eligible voters sat 2016 out. Those people you can and should woo. As Zemo pointed out in the movie Captain America Civil War, an empire toppled by its enemies can rise again, but one which crumbles from within? That's dead forever. Don't fracture your base by being so humorless, Democrats. Your downfall hurts everyone.